Hey there, it's Charlie O'Shields back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. After trying to sketch lots of different things over the past few years, I have quite an unusual assortment of illustrations. While many artists adhere to a particular theme or subject matter, I happily bounce all over the place. In truth, there is something holding everything together in that what I tend to sketch are ordinary things. There's just something about adding watercolor that can make an ordinary thing rather extraordinary. And trying to make all sorts of things appear on paper is truly fun, like a magician's trick. I kept thinking I'd discover a single set of things I enjoy sketching, but it continues to be just about anything I feel like making that day. This, for me, has been what's made this journey so enjoyable and keeps me coming back for more. The more random the sketch, the more unexpected the story I ended up writing to go with it. So here's a little collection of humorous and hopefully inspiring stories that I never expected to write. So join me now as we indulge in a little bit of sketching fun. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Meeting an octopus. We didn't have one of those large aquariums in my city when I was a kid, so it was only when we traveled that I got to visit one. Though I loved seeing all the little fish and certainly the seahorses, seeing an octopus was the highlight of the trip. I still remember the first time I ever met one, or at least got to see one behind glass. I was entranced. All those crazy legs and that odd little head and face were equal parts cute and weird. I, of course, immediately wanted an octopus of my very own. The giant kind, of course, as they were the coolest. Uh, but since I didn't have a swimming pool in the backyard like some of the rich kids, I couldn't think where I'd keep one. In my little mind, this was literally the only barrier stopping me from actually having one. Of course, there were infinite reasons why this wouldn't be possible. So I never ended up getting my octopus, but I still remember my imagined friend fondly. I had so many dreams like this when I was a kid, I would decide I wanted something or other that was a pure impossibility much of the time. But I had so much fun imagining various scenarios and seeing it all happen in my imagination that I wasn't upset that those dreams didn't always come true. I dreamed big and in full color, and for those moments spent imagining the wildest things were not just possible, but felt as though they had already happened. As an adult, I still dream big, but I find I can talk myself out of them too quickly. I've learned a lot in life, but my ability to immediately rationalize something can be a skill that stops short of the joy of daydreaming. Sometimes it's best to let your mind go to wherever it wants and simply enjoy the ride. Sure, the destination might be truly impossible in real life, but spending more time on that dream journey is always more rewarding than telling myself to give up and move on. I find the more time I spend imagining impossible scenarios, the more interesting solutions I can come up with for the possible ones. Some little thing I never would have thought about comes to mind and provides an even cooler idea that just might work. Daydreaming is something that I've always done and sometimes, yes, it can be a bit of a distraction when I'm meant to focus. 
even in work meetings, or especially then, I struggle to keep my mind on the topic at hand. But thankfully, I've always had a creative job, so this actually helps me do it properly. Ideas would be terribly boring if they only consisted of the presented facts and didn't include something novel or unexpected. So when I find myself in a boring meeting, I'll still try my hardest to engage and be polite, but in my mind, it's also possible I'm actually just thinking about meeting an octopus. Little Surprises Once when met with a prompt of bugs, I wasn't quite sure what to paint. I'd already sketched a ladybug earlier in the month, and they aren't really bugs at all. They're beetles. Uh, They like to eat tiny aphids, which are technically true bugs. Uh, But I didn't really want to sketch one. Instead, ended up engrossed in several articles saying that we end up consuming aphids as well, uh, whether we like it or not. Apparently, here in the States, the FDA does allow a certain amount of aphids and other insect parts in our food. Uh, The little boy in me was fascinated by this potentially gross fact. They're tiny, perfectly edible, and they say bugs outnumber humans 200 million to one, so those are pretty good odds they're going to end up on the menu at some point. In the end, I realized I could literally sketch any food that caught my eye and know that somewhere there's a microscopic bit of bug there. Prompt completed. And so we rather unexpectedly have a fruit tart. Even if you told me there were little bugs in a dessert, I would probably still eat it. I just love dessert. And I guess a polite person probably wouldn't bring any of this up in the first place, so apologies for bringing it to your attention if you were blissfully unaware. But I find it also fascinating. These little facts, even the ones I might guess to be true, are fun to discover. As a kid, I loved playing Trivial Pursuit and could pretty much answer all of the science questions but was rubbish when it came to sports. The latter is simply something that I've never been interested in. But science and nature are endlessly thrilling to me. As I've been doing my blog on Doodle Wash, I've learned a lot of fun facts that I've enjoyed sharing with whoever might be reading along. I spent one entire month once sketching uncommon creatures, and it was fun to discover some of the lesser-known species on the planet. Little-known facts and bits of trivia keep life interesting. It would be a shame to spend life with only the knowledge we currently have. Sketching and painting each day has been so rewarding, but often, when I'm searching for an idea to paint or looking at references, I get lost in articles and information. Often to my detriment, as it leaves me with even less time to paint, but it's such a fun journey. So sure, bugs in our food are probably not something you want to consider, especially if you're listening to this near mealtime, but for me, it's fun to know. Like painting, when I discover an interesting mix of color or a particular way to shade the edge of a piece of fruit. Each of these little discoveries is a wonderful experience. So much of my day can include things that offer little to shock or impress me. So I'm endlessly thankful when I come across those little surprises. Dancing Day. 
get ready to grab a partner and dosy do for Square Dancing Day. English, Irish, and Scottish settlers brought square dancing to the United States. Our contribution was adding a collar to tell people exactly what to do and when, because apparently this new land also caused memory loss. It's not something you'll find in any of the hot dance clubs, as any sustained popularity is entirely due to senior citizens. I honestly wasn't sure what to sketch for this prompt when met with it one time, so I just opted for some boots. They were called dancer boots for some reason, so I figured they would work. They were actually trucker dancer boots, because I didn't have time to search thoroughly for references. On the sole of each boot is a silhouette of a naked woman like one might find on mud flaps, but the description assured me these are definitely meant for dancing. I decided to pose them upright to hide the artful yet thoroughly tacky motif lurking underneath. There was a time years ago when I actually tried something close to square dancing. It was in my early teens and I was part of a group called the Missouri Town Dancers, which actually performed contra dancing, the great grandparent of square dancing. I don't remember a single thing I learned and honestly think I was just in it for the hot apple cider, but they served at the end. That stuff was amazing. I know it wasn't to meet girls as I don't suffer from that predilection and most of the girls were over six times my age. Later, when I was in college, I worked as an assistant to a real estate agent who wanted to learn ballroom dancing. She couldn't get her husband to join her and ask if I would be her partner for the classes. I of course said yes, because it was way better than filing papers. The fact that I was getting paid to be someone's private dancer didn't strike me as odd until much later. At the time, I was perfectly content box-trotting between art classes, which was actually quite fun, while hoping she never asked me to join her in public. There's something to be said for knowing exactly what the steps are when it comes to dancing. As I got older and people wanted to go out dancing, I was terrified as I'd never been good at the freeform stuff. In my defense, very few white men are and like me end up looking like a drunk yeti consumed with involuntary muscle spasms. Add the prospect of a crowd of people and I'd rather stay home, safe from yetis, with a civilized glass of wine. I think I would have liked dancing in the days when people did it as a way to come together as a community. This seems more attractive to me than the wild mating dances found in clubs today. Just people of all ages joining hands, smiling and having fun. A friendly group of folks waiting to hear the next move to be called while actually connecting with each other, one perfectly synchronized step at a time. Tamagotchi and Virtual Life I thought I should expand my horizons a bit with a toy from the 90s called a Tamagotchi which was first sold by Bandai in Japan in 1996. It's essentially a handheld digital pet that's quite possibly more needy than a real one. When you turn it on for the first time an egg appears and once hatched, you need to provide your little friend with everything it needs to survive while tracking the various meters from hunger to happiness. Your pet may require discipline or it might poop all over the screen, a situation which requires immediate attention or your pet will get sick. I made this doodle wash for Philippe as I didn't have one of these and they sound harder to care for than our dog Phineas. But he had two of them when he was younger. 
His were actually orange and white and not hot pink, but I wanted to try a new color I got for Christmas called Opera Rose. I like it because you can get such a cool range from subtler pink flesh tones to crazy pink plastic toy colors as shown here, enhanced with just a bit of purple in the shadows. My very first experience with a virtual pet was in the mid-80s when I moved from a Commodore 64 computer to a fancy new Commodore 128. For those unfamiliar, this little beauty had a whopping 128 kilobytes of RAM. Yes, you heard that correctly. Ridiculous to think about today when smartphones usually have at least 1 million kilobytes of RAM. But the Commodore 128 was super cool back then. What I loved about this computer was that I could design little characters and make them move around by programming them in BASIC. Uh, yes, I was a super big geek then and now, but once I discovered I could do this, I immediately attempted to create a virtual pet for myself. I made a little character that looked like a raccoon and designed a three-story digital dollhouse for him to live in. Although I had no idea how to code anything resembling artificial intelligence, I realized that randomizing his movements created a sense of surprise at least. Once completed, you could sit back and enjoy watching the little raccoon do everything from running up to the attic to practice his push-ups, sitting on top of the refrigerator for no good reason whatsoever, or even using the toilet. I guess you could say my virtual pet was well before its time as the Tamagotchi pets apparently didn't possess the ability to use a toilet properly. That said, watching the raccoon do random crap got old after a few minutes, so in this case, Tamagotchi pets were far superior. Unfortunately, my little raccoon friend only worked on that computer, and when I got my first real PC, he was left behind. Sort of like Puff the Magic Dragon, if instead of a land called Hanalee, he instead lived inside an old floppy disk that once belonged to an eager young nerd. I bought new shoes for this prompt. When I had a prompt of shoes once, I realized that I'd already sketched every shoe I own. Certainly a clear solution would be simply to sketch a pair of Philippe shoes, but they are always a bit drab and lacking in color. So I hopped online and found a pair of Diodora sneakers that had a lovely retro color scheme. When they arrived, Philippe looked at me questioningly without saying an audible word, knowing I already have plenty of shoes to wear. I said I have a prompt of shoes this month and had nothing to sketch. In my mind, it seemed perfectly justifiable and I was pleased with both my excuse along with my novel solution. He simply grimaced with that very particular emotion that wildly misguided logic tends to always bring out in people. Seeing his face, I followed up with, they have really good arch support, which then made him nod approvingly. In truth, I had no ideas, I just liked the colors, but it added a level of practicality that was indeed missing from my first explanation. I still wasn't on the path to full approval, so I told him I used credit card points so they didn't cost a thing at all. And then he finally smiled. In my defense, it's been a full year since I acquired a new pair of shoes. I know because I checked my Amazon account before ordering this pair to avoid a divorce. The last pair was nearly a year ago, but I just managed to sketch them last month. I also bought them with points, so in truth, I can't remember the last time I paid outright for a pair of shoes. 
So I'm quite certain I don't have a shoe addiction, though I do adore getting a new pair. But compared to Philippe, I certainly must have one. It's actually been more than three years since he last purchased a pair of shoes. While I get tired of styles, his black or brown approach means he just waits for the sole to come loose before finally replacing them. He has one pair that's a drab blue, and I assumed these were only for wearing around the house. But as we headed out to the theater, I saw him sporting them and realized that shoes to him are just something functional like underwear. Indeed, if you're not in a dating mode, underwear is something only seen by your significant other unless you've just attended a rowdy house party. But I still like wearing fun underwear as well. That Mickey Mouse print down there is just my little secret that makes me smile during the day. I also like to wear printed socks as they are mostly covered by jeans but at just the right moment reveal their true spice. Philippe joined me in this briefly but then realized that one printed sock always gets lost in the laundry and it's far more practical to just have black or gray socks that can always be paired easily in such an unfortunate event. It's all quite logical really, so we now have mostly this version. But there are still those rogue socks there, and sometimes I just grab two different prints and wear them for sentimental value. In secret, I adore that Philippe has a bit of logic to add to my illogical approach to life. It's definitely a wonderful balance. And though we have an incredible amount in common, the differences in our relationship are always the most interesting. In the end, I adore our similarities, but I love those unique bits most of all. Those bits of personality that are simply like a handwritten signature. The same unusual approach to life that doesn't surprise anyone who knows you well. Which is exactly why many of you won't be at all surprised that I bought new shoes for this prompt. Feeling Saturated I once had a prompt of saturation and an artist that means intense color, but to an artist who's scrambling to get everything done in a day, it has another meaning. The definition of saturation is a state or process that occurs when nothing more can be absorbed, combined, or added. As we close out each week, this rather describes my mental state. So it seemed fitting to head in that direction. I've no idea how I set upon the image I chose to illustrate the concept. I guess you could say that if sometimes life is a bowl of cherries, there might be sometimes when life feels like a plastic cup stuffed with too many cherry tomatoes. An odd metaphor to be sure, but still optimistic as cherry tomatoes are quite delicious. But some days just feel a bit hectic, making the weekend all the more welcome. Even on the busiest of days though, I will always find a moment to sketch something. It's better therapy then, and brace yourself for this as it's going to sound shocking, even the wine I'm about to drink. Yes, a day without a doodle wash would be a bad day indeed. Busy days can be stressful, but nothing I can't handle. If I didn't have that little moment to break and create something, I wouldn't be happy. Sure, I made deadlines and made emails today, but I didn't make anything that was simply done for the pleasure of it until my little moment to paint. When I plop my butt down on the edge of the kitchen counter after I get home from work, I like to think of it as my recharging station. It's like I 
gone to low power mode and plugged in just in time before losing all of my power. It's magical. And just 20 to 45 minutes later, I've reached full power and am ready to enjoy my evening without any of the stress of the day. This is amazing. I'm actually not sure why doctors seem to love to resort to pharmaceuticals when they could simply prescribe watercolor. Uh, though the poster in the office might look odd saying, don't pop a Valium, just paint something. And yet it's so true. In spite of a crazy day, coming home to take a bit of time to doodle wash something makes me incredibly happy. Oh, I still have that glass of wine, but I'll enjoy it just a little more than usual. Painting is something that comes from the heart, and therefore it always has the power to heal our stresses and power us up. Looking at my subject matter now, I find it perfectly ridiculous in response to that prompt, but that's always part of the fun of sketching together each month. If you're sketching along with me, perhaps you'll get a terrifying glimpse into how my mind really works. But I hope that whatever you discover will be something intriguing and interesting. Something indeed that might have begun with the stress of the day, but ends with nothing but a whole lot of love. And the fact that you've listened to the end uh, makes me feel incredibly loved. A warm feeling that lets me know you're in this journey with me, and one that brings a new meaning to feeling saturated. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories.